0: An unfortunate case of workplace bullying inspired the idea for author Sherry Fink's first children's book. But that idea, about a rose who grew up in a weed bed and thought that she was a weed, sat in a drawer for a number of years. It wasn't until Sherry met a woman at a writer's conference who said the idea was an important lesson for her grandchildren to learn that Sherry decided to dust that idea off and write a book. After learning everything she could about the publishing industry, Sherry decided to self-publish and it was only two weeks before her book, The Little Rose, became a bestseller on Amazon, and it stayed on that list for well over a year. And in 2012, the Reader's Favorite International Book Awards awarded The Little Rose the gold medal for best K through third children's fable. Sherry's next book, The Little Gnome, debuted at number one on Amazon, and her third book, Exploring the Garden with the Little Rose, also became a bestseller immediately upon its release. We'll talk to Sherry about putting together a children's book, the process of self-publishing and self-marketing, and the essence of a good children's book character, as Sherry Fink joins us on the Scripts and Scribes podcast right now.
1: Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Krista Bean, and today we're welcoming to the show children's book author Sherry Fink. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. (laughs)
1: Now, you write, you've written a number of best-selling children's books. Tell us a little bit about what those are about.
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, my very first book is called Little Rose, and that book is about a rose that grows up in a weed bed, and because she's different, believes that she's a weed. And she learns to accept herself for the beautiful rose that she truly is. The second book is called The Little Gnome, And that book is about an adorable garden gnome that arrives in the garden in the summer and then gets really confused when things start to change um, around the change of the seasons since he's never experienced it before. So that one, um, that story really helps kids learn to look for the good in change and become more adaptable. And then my most recent one that just debuted... um, yesterday,
3: <laughs>
2: is, um, is called Exploring the Garden with Little Rose. And this one's a little bit different from the other two in that it's written for the younger kids. Hmm. Um, the new one is for the two to five-year-olds. And the little rose and the little gnome are for the five to ten-year-olds. But the, the new book um, is a garden adventure. And it's it's really fun. It's It's an alphabet book. But it's a seek and find at the same time, and I've been getting such great feedback about it, and it's it's really exciting to be able to reach the toddler age too.
1: Oh, that's great! Yeah, I remember even as a kid, I loved those seek and find books. You know, just getting so uh, immersed in the illustrations, and and it felt always felt very interactive, which was which was a lot of fun. Um, now, you're um, you went the self publishing route instead of the traditional publishing route, and you are the quintessential example of the. Uh, self-published success, um, but why did you choose to go that route versus finding an agent and going through um, a larger publisher?
2: Um, well, at the time when when I had this crazy idea to write the book or to actually, I already had it written, but to to do something with it, <laughs> I um, I didn't know anything about the industry. I had a lot of misperceptions, and so I decided to get educated. and The first thing I did was I I went to the Southern California Writers Conference and. I learned so much about the inner workings and traditional versus independent and like every flavor in between. And I just, I talked to authors who had done the different routes Mm -hmm. and people who had been traditionally published who were then taking their career and going independent. And I was really fascinated with them. And when I got back, I started interviewing people. I'd say, you know, I'd ask folks in my network, who do you know who's who's an author, who do you know is a best selling author, would introduce me to them. Mm
3: -hmm. And then when
2: I'd have those calls I'd talk to them about the different flavor, whatever flavor they chose and why and Mm -hmm. how happy they were about it. And I just found that the independent people seemed to be a lot happier and I I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, even when I was little when I played Barbies, my Barbies were always starting businesses. <laughs> so it's <laughs> always been that girl. <laughs> oh, that's so I thought, Let me try this, you know, I just I went straight to independent and um and I didn't really want to wait. That was the other thing I learned is that it can take a lot of time, you know, to find the right agent yeah. and then romance the right publisher and get the mm-hmm. right deal and then it might take two more years to get it on the shelf and I didn't I was impatient. I felt
3: like
2: <laughs> I need to get this message out. Like kids are, are suffering and, and they need to know that they're wonderful the way they are, that they don't have to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I decided I'd go for it.
1: Wow. That's, that's great. Sometimes the impatience really pays off. <laughs> now what's <laughs> what was the process? Because you were not familiar with book publishing. You, um, you know, obviously had never done anything like that before. Um, what was the process of making this children's book happen? You had a, a story idea. Just go through the process of from the story idea in the drawer up until the final product on Amazon.
2: Okay, sure. Well, the first thing I did was pull it out of the drawer. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Very important stuff. <laughs> and then I, um, I reread it and I, I made some tweaks to it. And I sent it out to 20 people who had agreed to read it, and I was terrified because I I didn't even let my husband read it at first. (laughs) And um, because it was just poured right out of my heart, you know, it was very dear to me, and and I had never even done a critique circle before or anything like that. So I sent it out to 20 people who I respected and admired and, and people who, you know, worked with kids or either had kids or were retired teachers, that kind of thing. And 18 out of 20 of them came back to me and said, I got goosebumps reading this story. Wow. And that was without the pictures. And so I was like, wow, you know, I really do need to do something about this. So then I edited it. And then I was like, wow, I need an illustrator. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who knows anybody who illustrates books? (laughs) And so I did the same thing. I asked everybody I knew who they knew who who could illustrate books or might be interested in illustrating books. And friend of a friend of a friend, you know, that kind of um, introductions. And I interviewed all eight people that were recommended to me. I considered all kinds of things, too, like not just um, a traditional illustrator. I considered having kids do it and having each kid do one page. Um, I considered having an art student do it, like a high school student. But there were just so many other um, considerations that popped up, like the rights and then oh, yeah. timing, and then professionalism, because it's very hard to tell elementary school kids, like, i got to get that by today. you know? Right. And then there was the formatting, too. So mm-hmm. once you have the illustrations, it's not just enough to have that. You have to have somebody that can piece it all together and make it look like a coherent book. Mm-hmm. And then there's the cover design. And I wanted the cover to be very appealing and and to really capture the essence of the book. So I decided that I would go with a, a real illustrator, so to speak, a <laughs> professional. And um, and I, the way that I met Mary, Mary Erickson-Washam, who's my illustrator, was through A Friend of a Friend. And she gave me not just con- a concept, which I asked everybody to read the story and give me a concept drawing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And she gave me thumbnails of the whole book. Oh, wow. And they were tiny, but I could tell. <laughs> I knew when I saw that little face of that rose, I said, oh, my gosh, she gets it. I will work with her whatever it takes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so,
2: um, so yeah, so then we um, negotiated our agreement, and she started um, painting. Like, well, she draws the – it's an interesting process. So there's a character design that you go through first, and that's where you really pin down, like – exactly what the features of the character will be like, what are the colors you use, what are their um, mannerisms, so to speak. Like, if they have different ways of standing, that communicates different messages. Oh, yeah. So you get that figured out up front. And then she um, sketches the spread. So, like, if the book is laying open on your lap, that's a spread. Mm -hmm. And she'll draw the pictures. And sometimes it's all the way across, and sometimes it's, you know, just a page and a page.
3: Okay. So if the
2: if the picture goes all the way across the book, it's two pages. That's a whole spread. So it, um, she is excellent at formatting as well as illustration, and she did the cover design too. So that was really wonderful for sort of have one person do everything.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And after we sign off on the um, the thumbnail sketches of of the spreads and everything, then she does a bigger version of that, all sketched. And then when she sign off on that, then she actually paints a watercolor. Painting of the picture, and she does a digital background so that we can change that if we need to.
1: oh, that's cool. I didn't know that Yeah.
2: And so, I, think, I think that's really one of the reasons why her her images like they really draw me in because they're they're watercolor, but they have a digital aspect. it's like they have a timelessness to them
1: mm-hmm. now when you have when when you have your story and you're meeting with the illustrator now have you already Um, divided the story up saying, okay, I want this, you know, these five lines on this page and these five lines on this page, or does it come more from the illustrator saying, well, I think it'd be great to have a picture of this. And then you kind of fit the text to that picture and do that throughout. Like, Um, you know what I'm I'm saying? Yes. I know exactly
2: Mm -hmm. what you're asking. For me, the way the process works is I write the best story I can write. Mm -hmm. We get edited the best that it can be. And then I hand it over to her, Mm -hmm. and I get out of the way. (laughs) Uh. So she comes up with the images. She actually um, proposes what text goes on what page.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah.
2: And then if there's anything like, um, I don't know, like with the little gnome, for example, um, we were having this discussion about, is he big or is he small? Like, is he Mm -hmm. tiny? Uh Can he sleep in a garden glove? (laughs) Or is he, like, bigger? And, and does he move? Like, is he um, completely animate? Or is he like one of those
1: statues
2: in the garden? Mm-hmm. Because the way I wrote the story, it could go either way.
1: Oh. So, yeah,
2: so, this he, is a lot of
1: interpretation.
2: Exactly. And if I had dictated to her that, no, he's a statue, then we wouldn't have had the richness of the experience that she created in the illustrations. Because mm-hmm. when she read it, she saw something different. Yeah, and when she told me that, I was like, "Oh, I love that! I love this idea that he can move around. Like, yeah, that's great." So it's really it's collaborative, but I try not to dictate too much, one way or the other.
1: You mm-hmm. know, it I, would limit, right? Like what what she's able to create. And I, and I remember, I wish I could come up with a specific example, but I remember, you know, reading books as a kid, and there would be a lot of, um, you know, the the really well illustrated ones would have just these little details about things that weren't even talked about in the story. They would just be like, yes. oh, look, look at his little house. There's a little, you know, flower mouse in the flower box on the window kind of thing. And, it's, you know, oh. it's just like something you could just find and, you know, just discover as you're looking at the picture, even though it's not part of the story. And yeah.
2: yeah she's amazing like that. Yeah. So I, I just try not to try not to limit it too much. And, and um, you know, if you have a clear idea, like I knew that the little gnome, I knew he needed to be different. Mm-hmm. He needed to look different from all the other gnomes that are out there. Like, I didn't want any confusion about the Travelocity gnomes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a big difference. And so the color choices were very um, different. And um, I wanted mm-hmm. him to be kind of modern, too,
3: but mm-hmm. yet still
2: timeless. So we ended up giving him a cute little cargo vest, so he's got little pockets,
3: Oh, that's cool! You
2: know, so. Yeah, <laughs> to make him a little different, and his hat's yellow, and you don't typically see the the gnomes with the
1: yellow hat. So, uh,
2: um, so it was really fun, like to co-create him.
1: So now, what when you finally have all of the illustrations and everything complete, um, you have to find uh, find your own printer and actually to actually yes. turn it into a physical book.
2: Yes, that's right. So after the illustrations are done, then we finalize. And this step is so important, much more important than I thought
3: before. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, The finalizing process is really, it's going through with a fine-tooth comb and making sure that everything is perfect. It's not just the spellings, um, the the images. It's making sure, like, uh, nothing goes over that crease. Because if anything is, like, right in the crease, like, for example, in the new book, we have a monkey in there. And his arm, like the way his hand was positioned, I was a little concerned that it might get lost in the crease when the book was stitched. Oh, yeah. So we made his arm a slight bit longer just to make sure you could fully see it. Uh And it's those kinds of things that the publisher usually handles that the author doesn't typically have to think about, I don't think. But but for me, I am the publisher, so I have to make sure that it's completely correct. Uh Um, Page numbers got to make sure they're on every page because even if they're in some of the early versions, mm-hmm. if they got hid by a layer or anything like that, like you just have to look at everything with new eyes, wow. make sure it's perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
2: that goes to um, and of course, while she's illustrating, I give her the back cover copy, um, the ISBN, I, I order my own ISBNs, I assign them to the books,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: then I send her the barcode so she can build it into the cover mm-hmm. um, all that stuff taken care of. And then it goes to the printer when it's completely done. And then the printer takes eight to 10 weeks um, because I print overseas. And what they do is they take the digital file
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and they create, and they take, it's two files. It's the cover all in one. Like if you laid out the book and you were looking at it all, um, like you put the book face down
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and you
2: saw all of it, that's what they, they get, the file that has the entire picture, not the front and then the back, you know.
1: Okay. Um,
2: and then they get the file that has all of the images in it mm-hmm. um, already formatted for the book. So it basically looks like an ebook, but without a cover.
3: Okay. So just those
2: two files, and then they create um, two proofs for me. And they they FedEx them to me um, for approval. And one proof is a hardcover, and it's ma- it's hand-bound for this proof. Um, and the hardcover one shows you where the cutoffs are. So if the bleed's off the page, you have to confirm that that's right. Um, pages are in the right order. Things things are looking good. Now, the other one is a flat copy, so it's not hardcover,
1: mm-hmm. but it's a
2: color proof.
1: Oh, okay. So,
2: that's the one you got to make sure. Like, is that raspberry red the right raspberry red? <laughs> 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 you know, all those those little things. But um, and then for me, with the second book and the third one, especially the second one, um, the cover alignment was so critical because eventually the series is going to sit in a box set together.
1: Oh, and okay.
2: When we created the first book, it didn't matter so much, you know? It's like, oh, well, that little emblem, my little um, whimsical world symbol at the bottom, like it can be anywhere. But when you have two books sitting right next to each other, they've got to be perfect. Mm (laughs) (laughs) So we were doing this big thing, like, okay, I've got the proof. I'm lining it up with the existing books. Like, is this exactly how it's going to be? Because we need to make some adjustments. So then the printer worked with the illustrator to adjust the file so that they could send me a revised proof that, that did line up perfectly. Oh, so that wow. the, if, if the final product would be just
1: right. And there's truly those little things you don't think about initially.
2: <laughs> oh man, there's there's so much and and it's really challenging but it's extremely rewarding too because when I get the delivery, so 10 weeks later,
3: <laughs> the,
2: the books come from China. They go through a port in LA because that's the closest one to my house and then they have them on a courier and they deliver them to me and I get a pallet because I order thousands of them at a time Mm
3: -hmm.
2: when you open that first box (laughs) on that pallet it is so exciting and the the delivery guys are always like they're always these like big tough guys and then as soon as I open that box they're always like
3: oh it's a (laughs) challenge it
2: was so wonderful and the guy was so helpful this time I, I opened the box and he was like looking over my shoulder like oh my gosh and he said he had two little ones. And I said, well, uh, what are their names? And I signed a book for him. And I said, you know, your two little ones are the first kids in the world to have oh, this book.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
2: And he actually
1: teared up. <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> oh, wow. That is so cool. Now, do you just, you just have all these thousands of books in your house?
2: Sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until they go places. So... Um, my, right now, my biggest sales happen on Amazon
3: mm-hmm. and in person.
2: Oh. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I also sell through my website too, but um, the majority are through Amazon.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: before the books arrive, I start the process with Amazon to let them know about the new book, mm-hmm. upload the cover, put all the details in ISBN, um, and then get their orders coming in for the books. So, as soon as I get the the delivery, I'm Packing up cases and shipping them to Amazon, oh, okay. so that they can fulfill their orders.
1: Okay, so you ship to Amazon and then they ship out to customers. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And sometimes
2: it's difficult to anticipate demand. That's why things run out of stock. You
1: know, mm-hmm.
2: it's it's just, it's hard to tell. But um, but yeah. So so they do the majority of the orders, and I start. I'd say I start talking about the book as soon as I know for sure I'm going to be doing it. Which is usually a year in advance. Mm-hmm. And um, and then there's marketing. It's just constant. I mean, always planting seeds, and and people always asking me, like when I speak at schools, they're like, "What's next? What's next?" So I'll give them a little
1: nugget and they'll get so excited. (laughs) So when the book comes out, they'll be like, oh, I've been waiting forever. (laughs) Well, That's actually something I wanted to ask you about because your your first book and and the the subsequent books, you know, become bestsellers, you know, after the first one's a big success. But even your first book was only on Amazon for two weeks before it became a bestseller. How, How did that happen? There's thousands and thousands of books on Amazon that never see the light of day. And yet yours became a bestseller in two weeks. What, what kind of marketing did you do for that?
3: Um, well,
2: actually, I didn't
1: do a whole lot. <laughs> that one,
2: um, it's so funny because I was planning to do a big marketing campaign push in July. And mm-hmm. the book came out in March. And then, like you said, within two weeks, it became a number one bestseller. And the, the way that that happened, and I did not plan it this way, it just It was wonderful how it happened. But all those people that I've been having calls with along the way, when I get really nervous and I'd be really scared and I would ask them questions anyway, and people were so kind to me. When the books were were at Amazon, Mm -hmm. I sent an email out saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. Like, thank you so much for your help. Like, can you believe it? Like, my book's actually out.
3: Like,
2: (laughs) So awesome, you know, and I'm so grateful to you. And then those folks, told their networks ah. and talked about it on social media and emailed people about it. And because they had recommended it, a lot of people bought it.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's all just and, word of mouth, basically.
2: Yeah. And I didn't do anything other than thank people <laughs> to let them know it was there. Wow. It's like a, it was amazing. And, and I had promoted the other people too because, you know, I, when I chat with somebody and I can. I don't know when they're so generous with their time and and they have these beautiful books. Like I want other people to know about it. And so I was talking about them and on social media and promoting their stuff the whole time, but not realizing, you know, that they would generously go and do that. So um, it was amazing. And even more amazing is that it's been there. um, I think last week was like the 58th week. Wow. Yeah.
1: So well over a year. Yeah,
2: and I, and it got bumped for a little while with my second book coming out, and I was okay with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if it has but to be bumped that. by somebody's book, it might as well be your own. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so you know, it's just it's just been a really
1: incredible journey, and I'm so glad that I pulled that story out of the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now what sort of other marketing do you do now that you're a multiple bestseller? And, and we met you at the Southern California Writers Conference and you were speaking there and that's how we came to know about you and your books. Um, what, what other, you, you, you uh, do a lot of things in person? Do you go to schools? What do you do?
2: I do a lot. I, um, I basically do what feels good.
3: <laughs>
2: Whatever's fun for me. Um, or if someone gives me uh, an idea, I might test it and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do I do school visits, I speak at libraries, I speak at writers' conferences. I, um, I basically try to share the messages any way that I can.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I've been so fortunate, too, because most of those things I have not sought out. They've mm-hmm. actually heard about me or heard about the books or got a referral from someone else, and, they rec- and, and they've come to me and asked me. Oh, so great. I don't spend a whole lot of time marketing
3: mm-hmm. um
2: to do events, but I do enjoy doing them uh-huh. um, and recently i've been doing a ton of book festivals too. It seems to be the season <laughs> for book festivals
1: yeah, yeah you're right <laughs>
2: so um, so yeah, just about every weekend I've, I've had a, at least one engagement, and um, so that's been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, other things I do like I have a Facebook fan page
3: mm-hmm. I'm
2: very active on that. I love Facebook um, I respond to every single message I get from fans personally uh-huh. so um, people tend to be very uh, active on there too and that's always fun
3: mm-hmm. I do
2: a video each week for my fans
3: oh, okay. um, just
2: a real short one I started it probably I don't know maybe two months ago mm-hmm. where I just give them a, some update or some little juicy nugget and, oh. uh, and it's been really fun for me actually I, I look forward to it now I'm like oh I gotta do the video and what am I gonna put in it and oh, I can't fit all that. i got to do it under a minute, you know. <laughs> so um, so that's been fun.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't know. I, I just do um, press releases when I have mm-hmm. something newsworthy to say.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I have an intern now, so my intern drafts them based on past ones.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And then I polish it before it goes out. And I think – uh...
1: Oh, go ahead. All right, go ahead. Oh no! I was just saying um, what you were saying about doing the the videos, and I think um, FaceTime with people I think is really important because in the same way that like a um, if you think of film directors, you know the ones you are the, the famous ones, the ones you know about are the ones you you know what they look like. You know what Spielberg looks like. You know what Quentin Tarantino looks like. The, you know Alfred Hitchcock. These guys that are always out there. Sometimes they're you know appear in their own movies. They they. You know, you you can see them, and they're sort of celebrities in their own right. And I think with authors, that's the same thing. Is that you know you see their name on the book, but you don't know what they look like, you don't know what their personality's like, you don't know that unless you know you you do things like videos on Facebook, and 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 people can see that, and that makes them you know more um, feel like they can relate to you better.
2: You're totally right. You're totally right. And and it's something that I think a lot of authors we we underestimate it. Yeah, because we think, oh, the work is what's important. It's not us, but that's not true.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a
2: combination of both. And I'll tell you, like doing those videos and and just sharing, being open, and telling people what I'm up to, and it has made such a difference for me. Like I was at the um, Orange County Children's Book Festival on Sunday,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's my second year being there. But I'm not really, I'm not really a big name. Nobody knows me, right? Like I just sometimes they said, oh yeah, my kid has that book, but you know. Uh, Whatever, I'm just I'm just an average person, and but three times during Sunday, I had people come up to me, adult fans, oh. who were so excited to meet me, and they were like, oh, "I look at everything you do on Facebook. I love following you. Um, I came here today because you were here, and I wanted to meet you. Oh and wow! And people actually gave me presents. Like oh. one lady gave me beautiful artwork. Wow. It was overwhelming, and then another woman. She's an inspiring writer, and she just did her first children's book. And she's she gave me her book, and it was inscribed to me, and it said, "You're you are my hero. You
3: inspire me." <laughs> oh and my I was gosh! Just
2: like, oh my goodness! I've never met this lady before, but I cannot believe the impact that just just having that Facebook fan page and and sharing with people is having.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like.
2: It's really amazing, the ripple effect, when you're just having fun, being yourself, sharing your messages, and what can happen with that, and, and how other people are inspired. It's so incredible.
1: And it's really a, a phenomenon that's only come into into being in the past decade. I mean, you know, 25 years ago, you know, authors didn't have that sort of platform. They had to do something in person or appear on television or, you know, have some lengthy article written about you in some, you know, high-profile publication, but you know, nowadays, it's like you can just jump on and just connect with people, and it's yeah, it's really awesome.
2: Yeah, and people, people get to know your face, and that's something I do like when I'm going to speak at a library or um, like a, a school. Mm-hmm. I send posters in advance,
3: and the ah. posters
2: have my picture and they have the book covers on them so that the kids know when I come, they know it's me.
1: Oh that's like, smart yeah. <laughs>
2: I, it's just been amazing like I peek around the corner and I was speaking um, earlier this year at an elementary school and there were little first graders and they were so adorable
3: and they were having their
2: recess time and I peeked around the corner just to, to kind of motion to the teacher like I'm here just to let you know like I don't want to make any big deal and and the kids saw me and they go ah,
3: "Yay!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was so cute. And I was like had to I had to take a moment before I went in because I actually got tearies
1: on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was such a sweetness about the way they said it. Such enthusiasm. Uh, oh it's that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> well that I mean that's that's fantastic. And um what uh, what advice would you give to other people who are trying to self publish?
2: Mm. I would say the very most important thing, and this is for any publishing technique you're going to be using, is to write something from the heart. Mm -hmm. If you're writing it for the money, it's going to feel that way and it won't resonate. It won't do as well. I I just, it sounds cheesy, but it's totally true. If you pour it out of your heart, other people can feel that. Uh And if if it touches them in an authentic way, it's, it's just irresistible. And, I mean, I find that when things I read and other people tell me that about my books,
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: that's the most important thing. And the second thing, which is, I guess, relevant for both, but mostly for self-publishers, is that don't let other people's limitations limit you. The like, mm. people who tell you that it can't be done, they just—they mean well, but they don't know you.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: they, they're telling you what can't be done for them. Ah. When people told me I was crazy, like when I said, like, you know, I'm going to do this children's book and I've, you know, I've never done it before, but I'm going to do it and I want it to be a bestseller because I want it to be su- as successful as it can be and reach as many kids as it can and, and people would say, oh, you know, you seem like a good kid, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you really need to be realistic. And right. that's not been my forte. Like I just, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. And and that's the thing too is, is really have a quality product.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The best writing that you can do the best product you can have. Like, my books are hardcover, and I'm so glad I went with that. Like, I never even considered the possibility of doing paperback. I don't know why. It just didn't appeal to me for those books. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference because the illustrations are professionally done, the printing's professionally done. I mean, there are people in the industry who look at the book and ask me, in the publishing industry, who's the publisher?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then
2: I love saying, it's me. <laughs> I mean, look at you like, really? Right. <laughs> like, it's oh my totally gosh. possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to use a service. You can actually do it yourself. Like, you know, um, there's ways to do it. And those services, they, they serve a purpose, too. There are certain people that that's a good fit for. For me, it wasn't. So,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah, It. I think just really focusing on the quality, pouring it out of your heart and not letting other people's limitations limit you. I mean, you want to learn from other people. You want to learn how they were successful and what didn't work and all that other stuff, but not letting that hold you back from something that you feel really passionate about doing. Mm-hmm. Because there
1: is a way. Yeah, yeah. There's always a way if you want it badly enough. Now, would you ever um, consider going with an agent? If an agent approached you and said, oh my gosh, you have a fantastic track record and you know self-publishing, we want to take you on. Would you consider that? Or is it sort of more of a case of, If it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing.
2: I would absolutely consider it. And here's why. Because at this point, um, I've been been very fortunate. I've been successful. I'm really grateful for where I'm at. Mm -hmm. But I've been getting these offers um, from foreign publishers Mm -hmm. and from other people who want to license characters and that kind of thing. And I don't know, like, I'm not in the industry. I don't know who the folks are. Are they the best potential partner? Mm-hmm. Um, is the length of the contract they're proposing, is that standard? Mm-hmm. Is that too long? Is this the best deal that we could possibly get? Like, I just don't know those things. And I'm very hesitant, even though I would love to see my book, like, for example, in Vietnamese, <laughs> I, I'm very hesitant to sign anything that, that gets... I'm very careful to keep my rights. I'm yeah. very hesitant to sign them away mm-hmm. on things I don't understand.
1: Right. And
2: so I feel like having the right agent who shares my vision for the brand and can amplify that, take it to an even bigger level
3: mm-hmm. and
2: find the right partners would be extremely valuable. But yeah. it would have to be, you know, any any kind of um, agreement that we consider would have to be a win-win because at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it is a business. Like right. I'm doing it because I love it, but... It needs to be a win-win, and, and I really think an agent would be key to mm-hmm. helping find those win-wins and, and get the best opportunities out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially in the the world of foreign rights—no pun intended. Um, you know, when there's agents that specialize just in foreign rights, and it's like a whole, a whole another um, dimension of agenting, basically. Exactly. You know, yeah, I think it's a exactly. di- difficult thing to handle on your own. And then there's the licensing
2: piece too. Mm -hmm. There are people who handle just licensing and we have these beautiful characters and I'm inventing a board game. I mean, I've got tons of ideas and I would love to bring toys out and, and do all these things. But I I feel like um, perhaps someone that has more experience and knows who the right partners could be Mm -hmm. would help that happen a lot faster. Yeah. So, um, so that's something that that I'm actually looking for
1: right now. Oh, okay. So um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit um, and talk about the actual writing of a children's book—not the creation and the publishing, but the actual story itself, as far as characters and the the, the world, the environment they live in. What what qualities do you consider um, important for a char- for a, a character in a book that's geared towards you know, a six-year-old child?
3: Hmm. Well,
2: (laughs) my, my characters are, what I love in them is that they have really good hearts Mm -hmm. and they get, they get led astray sometimes. The, um, they, they may not see the world as big as it actually is. They only Hmm. see it from their own viewpoint. So, They have opportunity for growth,
3: Mm -hmm. and
2: when that comes, and sometimes it surprises them, Uh they warm up to that very quickly. So I guess they're good characters. They have good hearts. They're, um, I don't know, they're just like little kids. They're just little (laughs) kids, and they're just just out in the world, and they're misunderstanding because they don't have all the information yet. Mm
3: -hmm. And then when
2: they get it, it's like this whole new world opens up to them. It's in and they see how magical, like, life can really be. Yeah, like, that's that's what I love.
1: That's great, and that's a lot like childhood in and of itself with real children. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you take them to the, the zoo, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a whole, a whole other world that I didn't know about. Um, exactly, yeah, and um. And as far as the environment, like your, your, your characters, um, they're in uh, a garden, basically. Um, and I love the idea, especially in your, in your um, newest book, the, the whole seek and find aspect, that something that could be considered an ordinary environment, it's a garden. You know, lots of people have gardens, but kind of coming at it from an angle of, of discovery and, oh my gosh, what's that called? What's that called? Look at that. I've never seen that before. Um, I think that's always a great way to approach a children's story.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I really, in everything that I do, like in my brand, the whimsical world of Cherry Fink, like I really, I want to inspire and delight kids while planting seeds of Mm self-esteem. That's the end goal. Like it really is about creating an enchanting experience that they can get completely immersed in Mm -hmm. and then they discover something about
1: themselves along the way. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Now, you're, what's coming up next for you? Because um, Exploring the Garden with the Little Rose has debuted uh, this month and has already become a bestseller. Um, so what's what's coming up after that? Uh, well, the very next
2: book is called The Little Firefly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And
3: <laughs>
2: it is such a sweet story. I am excited about this book, too. Um I get excited about all of them. <laughs> I love them all. Um, but this one is coming out on March twenty-second, two thousand thirteen,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's the next one in the Little series. And it's about a late blooming firefly,
3: uh-huh.
2: who's the last one. To, she's the, the last one that's not glowing out of all of her friends, ah. and she wants to be all grown up. And she learns about.
1: Friendship, love, and acceptance. Oh, well, that sounds adorable. And I'm sure that's going to become a bestseller as well. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, we're almost out of time. We have um, a little segment we do at the end here called Rapid Fire. And I'm going to give you a series of um, either or questions. And then you just choose whichever one you prefer. Okay. Okay. Um, Mac or PC? (laughs) iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, better state flower: the Virginia dogwood or the California poppy. Oh, Virginia dogwood. I grew up in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, garden gnome or pink flamingo? Garden gnome. Better socialite named Rose: Rose Kennedy or Rose from Titanic? Uh, oh, Rose Kennedy, I guess. <laughs> and uh better children's book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar or The Giving Tree? Oh, The Giving Tree. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry. Thank you. I had a blast. I really appreciate it. Sherry's books are available to purchase online, and you can find out more about Sherry at her website, SherryThink.com,
0: and that's S-H-E-R-I-Think.com. And please visit our website at scriptsandscribes.com to find plenty of archived podcasts, written interviews, and information on writing. And if you have any questions on the craft or business of writing, send us an email to ask at scriptsandscribes.com or send us a tweet to at ScriptScribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at ScriptScribes. Thanks for listening.